So this is the long-awaited podcast. <laughs> we've talked about doing this for a while. This is the first one we've done together. How do you feel? I'm excited to see where this takes us. I'm excited just to kind of share ourselves with, I don't know, the world, I guess. Whoever wants to listen. Whoever wants to listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we have a unique story, a unique journey. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it might be as cliche as, as, as everything else. Who knows? Well, then people can feel like uh, they're normal then. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I figure since this is our first podcast, um, maybe it would be a good idea to start by talking about um, some of the work that we do. Um, I think it would be cool for you to maybe get into a little bit of your story, a little bit of what it is that you do, what services you offer. Um, and I, I think due to your lived experience, what you bring to the table is very unique. Um, you've been able to kind of create these roadmaps for yourself to overcome some of your difficulties and you've gotten yourself to a point where you're able to share these with others and I think that's really cool so would you mind talking a little bit about maybe start with some of your story and then we can get into some of those roadmaps and some of those techniques that you have um, you've discovered for yourself. Uh, all right. Um, it's funny. I was like, I was trying to put this together earlier. Uh, I was on TikTok, and it was, it's there's a lot of layers to the story, and I think that's true for anybody that's either had an, a, tr- a traumatic event in their life or somebody that's just had a lot of small traumatic instances, like the energy of trauma is so multi-layered and multifaceted, which makes it difficult to identify what's you and what's the trauma within that bubble of experience. And for me, mine was more of like the traumatic event. And when I was 14, uh, I was going on a father-daughter trip, annual thing. Uh, we were going with another father-daughter couple. Um, and our dads were on motorcycles. And um, my friend Kim had brought her pickup truck. It's like a chase car. Um, we were doing a multi-state trip. So um, sometimes it's safer when you're traveling on motorcycles to have a car that's traveling behind you. Um, so it was you and Kim in a vehicle behind your dad's motorcycle? Yeah, yeah. We, um, and I had kind of bounced back and forth. I'd been part of the day with my dad, part of the day with Kim. Um, we had stopped to get lunch at just like a roadside diner, and that's when I had decided to get in the truck with Kim. And about an hour into that, we were sent on a detour highway 
Uh, and we were kind of going through the Appalachian Mountains, so it was hilly. And it was a June day, bright, sunny sky, um, not a ton of cars out. And when we pulled uh, on this detour, we pulled up to a stop sign and we had to cross off the freeway and head up the other side for our freeway. And our dads pulled out, went, and I think that Kim just misjudged how fast the truck was coming. We were, we were hit by a semi uh, broadsided on the driver's side door. Um, the semi was going 85 and a 55 had a full load. So I think once he realized he was going to hit us, there wasn't much that he could do. There was, he was not able to stop. Um, and he drug us 963 feet down the freeway, which is just a number like that I think was just like forever ingrained into my mind. Yeah, of course. Um, in that moment, so Kim died on impact. Uh, it broke her neck and she kind of died with her head on my shoulder and I had this near-death experience, this out-of-body experience in that moment, and which was wild. Um, I, I got kind of shot out of my body, and there were three beings there, and um, I just was able to, like I felt this sense of confusion in the moment, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same as like confusion here. It was this confusion, like, like here, I feel like when we experience confusion in our lives, it comes with so much story and narrative about how you should feel or shouldn't feel. And, and how, like, like it, it's, it can be kind of a tumultuous emotion. And there it was, it just was. Like I felt this sense of confusion, but also such this sense of peace and love that it was just like, oh, all right, well, I'm confused. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, I was surrounded in this white light and this being grabbed me and kind of held me close. And it felt very similar to my grandmother. Um, just energetically, um, it, and she had passed like a year or so before this. So she was, so it was certainly possible that it could have been her. And this being held me and, and there was some telepathic communication happening. Um, that was really just reassurance. Like you're fine, you're gonna be fine. Like, and then in the moment it just, even though that I was experiencing the emotion of confusion. It was also this moment of acceptance that was just like, oh, well, whatever will be, will be. And, and I can see how humans, before they decide to incarnate on Earth, are just like, oh, yeah, there'll be like no big deal. Like, yeah, we'll go do all this stuff. And, you know, and, and it, there's a lightness in when you're outside of this third dimension. And this being that had been hugging me turned me around to look at my 
my body and Kim's body. I could see the truck that we were in. I could see where the motorcycles were. Um, I could look through the top of the truck to see my physical body and Kim's physical body. And I could see my, my dad was the first one to the truck. So I could see him come running up the side and get to my door and, and open it. And I could, I could hear like the, that like primal scream that he let out in that moment of, you know, finding us in the, in the state that we were in. And I, I'm watching this and something that's always stuck with me was I, I've tried to make a lot of sense of, of this whole ordeal, everything that came after it, everything in the moment of it, um, and this experience of this near-death experience and why I was turned around the way that I was. And, and I think that it was to hold on to that perspective that it's not that far away, that we feel so isolated and alone and separate here, but the love that exists there and the lightness and the, the sense of peace and, and calm for just what is, it's not that you're without difficult emotions. I feel like confusion can be a very difficult emotion for a lot of people. And, and even experiencing that there was still filled with light and, and this love sense. And I think that being given that very concrete experience to it helped me to, to navigate like the, the 25 years that it's been since that day and to pull like different pieces of, of information out of it. And it like, we're not that far away from whatever that is, whatever dimension that exists. Like it's, it's right there. It's within the space here. Um, my vantage point was kind of floating above, um, but it was like I could be kind of anywhere I wanted to be. I could pull myself closer. I could be further back. Um, and I felt myself get pulled back into my body. I felt, I felt the, the density happen. And there was like a, a, a piece where you start to lose the the lightness there and you kind of pass through this kind of dark um is there a bug flying around you yeah oh all right well we'll try and kill it when it gets close okay <laughs> <laughs> like a gnat um yeah there's uh and then you you kind of there's like this kind of darkness that you pass through and then for me um, I woke up at that moment, which happened to be the same moment that my, my dad had, he had like released this, this scream and I kind of woke up after that. Um, and I'm, I immediately went into shock. Um, my body started to convulse and it was a hot summer day, but I was freezing cold 
and uh, I had broken my jaw and my back uh, when we were hit, which truthfully, like to be able to sit here and to be able to walk and to, you know, not have any like really significantly noticeable physical disabilities or to just have survived in itself um, was pretty phenomenal. Like that's, that in itself like tells me that something happened in that moment of that near death experience that allowed me to stay alive. I had some level of protection or, or something. Um, so I, I went into shock and uh, the paramedics had arrived at this point and, and they were pulling me out of the car and putting me um, on a stretcher and piling blankets on me. And, and I just remember I've never felt cold like that. Like it was like they were putting these blankets on me and it was just weight on my body. It wasn't warmth at all. And they, um, the ambulance kind of sped to the hospital. There was luckily a trauma one hospital, which is one that can just service like the, the most significant injuries. Uh, so there was one that was nearby. Um, so I guess there was some debate between a life flight and the ambulance. And uh, I always thought it'd be kind of, would have been cool for the story to like have been life lighted, but. Well, your um, dad chasing you in, in the motorcycle yeah was is, is a pretty cool i mean looking back on it now obviously it wasn't cool in the, in the moment but yeah your dad being on the bike following the ambulance is uh i can't not to interrupt your story but that particular moment and uh, and for anybody listening you know kristen and i are married and uh, i've heard this story many many times um and I've spent a lot of time trying to relate to it and try to understand it um, for myself. And and your dad being on the back or being on his motorcycle following the ambulance is a situation that I have tried to put myself into, especially in mushroom sessions of like, oh, I want to have a taste of what that moment felt like. And it is so incredibly traumatic and shocking and surreal. And that's just the tiny little glimpse that I got to like barely touch was so immense that um, I didn't want that to be left out of the story because that's something that I've, I've, I've thought about a lot. Yeah, feel free to jump in. Uh, in some ways, because this is my story, I feel so close to it. And in, I've told different versions of it, and I've told there's a certain level of distance that I have to like emotionally maintain in the telling of the story. Um, otherwise, it's just like too raw. So, yeah, in some ways, it's you probably are able to almost share the story better than me. <laughs> um, so yeah, feel free to chime in whenever. Thank you. Um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, I, I think about that moment too for what that must have been like for him, especially now, like since we've had kids. 
and and I know my dad I'm, I've always been a, a daddy's girl and I just can't imagine like that moment um, yeah they they kind of gave him the chance to I don't even know that they gave him the chance to like ride in the in the ambulance I think it was just like like he wasn't gonna leave his bike because really that's that's just not a smart thing to do there may be people listening that that are not familiar with motorcycles or um taking like long trips like that like it that's just not you don't want to leave your bike anywhere like that so um and my friend's dad was also obviously there um he actually dumped his he, he dumped his bike over trying to turn around to get back to the truck that we were in and so he actually had damaged his bike and done some injuries to his legs and and it was just such a like chaotic panicked moment that um it's really hard to like there's so many little little stories happening in that same moment and you know of course for him to like he's not following his daughter to the hospital he's he's suddenly and she, my my friend was an only child so you know i think there was <sighs> yeah oh sorry definitely a lot of emotion in that man I'd never get through this story without crying. I just, I don't know. I don't know how many years it has to be or how many times of telling it. Do you want to take a, a little break? Um, okay. Save my break for when I really need it. <laughs> so, um, man. So we get to the hospital uh, I don't remember the ambulance ride. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they gave me medication and all that to probably calm me down or to knock me out. Um, and I woke up a couple days later and I didn't remember what had happened. Um, there's like, there's trauma induced amnesia that can happen. And I kind of dealt with that for in varying degrees for like kind of the next six months after this had happened. But initially I didn't remember anything that had happened. And I woke up and, and they, I thought that I had been on the bike with my dad, which was, so I was like concerned, like given the state that I was in, in this hospital bed, I, I thought that something must have happened to him. And that was my first like panic there because I, said I'm kind of a daddy's girl so that idea seemed like too much to bear and so the nurse had come in to check on me and seeing that I was awake you know and asking for my dad she went to get him and uh, he came to the side of the bed and, and was holding my hand it was it was very I could see like that he had been very emotional and he started to cry almost immediately, which was, at that time, uh, it was pretty rare to see him emotional that way. Like, he was not a big crier. And the, um, 
like I instantly kind of was like, oh, okay, so, you know, so you're here, all right, well, where's Kim uh, and her dad? And like, all right, let's, uh, let's, you know, get the gang back together. And my dad had to break the news to me there that, that um, Kim and I had been in an accident and that Kim didn't make it. And at that point, he really started to, to sob. And I was trying to, I, I couldn't process it. Like, my, I couldn't even understand it. And so I just started saying, like, oh, well, we'll be okay. You know, it's okay. We're, we're going to be okay. And I'd also just come off of this near-death experience where, uh, you know, when you, you feel that sense of love and understanding and that, like, everything really is going to be okay, it, it kind of carried through with me. And so, I, like, really, I, I was still very much in that feeling, that energy of that, that experience. And I was probably also hopped up on a lot of pain medication. Um... And my dad, this is the moment, this is the moment I always lose it when I think of this story. Whew. And my dad was holding my hand and he just looked at me and he said, baby girl, you have no idea. And whew, 25 years and I had no idea. <sighs> so... Now we kind of get into, there's so much like layer to this story. Um, it's hard to kind of... So let me kind of interject yeah. a little bit um, because we don't need to go through all sure. of the details yeah, of that cool. story. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it more on here. Um, that's such a, such a heavy story. Yeah, 25 years later, and it's it's amazing to be able to sit here and tell it, to hear you tell it, um, from the from where you are now. Um, but that was 25 years of whew, working through all of the repercussions from this one event that was completely outside of your control at 14 years old. And I know more of your story. I've known you for 20 of those 25 years. And I know that you, in a lot of ways, felt like the system that exists, uh, be it the medical system, the financial the legal system, the financial system, all of it, right? You've had experience with all of those things kind of letting you down. Um, but more specifically, um, the mental health system that has been set up or that has existed and that, I don't even know what you want to call it. It's, I really think that from a mental health standpoint, for over those 20 years, it was shooting in the dark. There was, we, the, the Western medicine really had no, no real answers on how to deal with a situation like that. Um, but you, like I, a lot of people, 
that are dealing with trauma, um, either from one single event or multiple events. I mean, everybody has trauma to some degree, right? Um, you went through all of the things. You did all of the things. You did the therapy. You did the antidepressants, the anti-anxiety, the, all the things that a, a doctor over those 20 years would typically prescribe to you um, or the direction that you would get point, pointed oh. into and funneled through. And you've, you've, I mean, I'll let you speak to this, but you, it didn't help you. <laughs> it, <didn't>, <laughs> <laughs> it may have made things worse, um, oh. at least partially worse. So that my, being said, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, yeah, my favorite kind of illustration to the mental health field at the time was my sophomore year in college. I uh, was falling apart. I had seen a few therapists. Um, they, there was a social worker in the hospital. We affectionately, my dad and I affectionately nicknamed him Yoda because um, he looked as looked the part. <laughs> Who literally, I'm in the hospital still after the accident and he interviews me and and I was a kid that was like I really wanted people to like me and I wanted adults to think that I was like mature and all of that so like if an adult is talking to me like I'm putting on my like oldest child most mature face and I'm 14 years old my friend has just died on my shoulder I am my body is wrecked and this guy looks at me, looks at my dad and goes, she's fine. And I remember in that moment being like, what? <laughs> There's, okay, uh, you know, I was a good student. I really liked to pass tests. Uh, so I, I don't know, I don't know if I just like, I thought this guy was giving me a test I needed to pass, I don't know. And just to be, I, it was the first thing that I was like, oh, the first like subtle message I got about there's not space in this world for what just happened to you. And you're kind of on your own. And you're kind of on your own. And, and that messaging got louder. Um, a few months after the accident, I was like having difficulty, like attaching to reality uh, in the sense that like, so this event brought up a lot of unhealed trauma that my dad experienced in his life. And so, you know, we can have these trigger points that, that start, that kind of open the floodgates. And so he was very much trying to be there for me, but very much also like processing his own stuff. And he would try to connect with me and like, you know, come home from work and how are you doing? And, and I, I just couldn't talk about the accident, didn't want to talk about it, didn't really understand. Like I had not gone to Kim's funeral cause it just was kind of deemed inappropriate by the adults, which kind of thought was its own kind of poor decision by the adults. But you know, it, it points to the rawness of, we didn't know what we were doing. No one, the adults didn't know what we were doing. I certainly didn't know what we were doing. And, but there was just, it was just a very crazy time. And so, um, I lashed out at my dad one night, came home from work and I kind of just, you know, I don't know why we keep talking about this accident, like kind of thing. 
And so my parents decided I needed to see another therapist, maybe a real one this time, not the social worker from the hospital. No offense to like social workers at the hospital, but that particular situation was oh. <laughs> insane. Uh, so I, they find this woman who was seemed very, you know, was definitely better than the first guy, was more prof professional. Um, and she, uh, she actually put me into hypnosis to remember the accident. And so, which that was, that was interesting. That was good, I think, to have, just to understand like where my feelings were coming from because I felt so like all over the place emotionally, but I didn't have really a framework for what had happened. Uh, Cause I had your, your body, your mind will will block out things that it's too difficult to process or deal with. So that was helpful. And then it was shortly, it was like maybe one or two sessions after that, that she like told my mom that like I was fine. And, you know, I mean, I think I saw her maybe six times and, you know, there was a few that were just like leading up to like preparation for what the hypnosis was going to be like. And then there was like a couple afterwards and like, that was kind of it. Um, so it was like another message of like, oh, okay. Like there's, there's not space to, for me to be, not only be a teenager, but also to process all of this. So, um, and then, uh, when I was in college, so when I went, I graduated from high school a year early and I went to college to study music and, um, just cause that was what I was good at, what I was supposed to do. And I, I wanted to get out of high school because I was just running. I, I, looking back now, but I, I thought that if I went to a big school and there'd be more people and there'd be older people and like, surely like I would run into somebody that like understood like what I was dealing with or, or I'd find more like common ground, which was not the case. Um, so by my sophomore year, I had like stomach ulcers and like I was having, I had had some, um, I <laughs> started down the, the eating disorder train um, because when I broke my jaw during my accident, um, I, they, they initially did the surgery wrong. So then I had to have it rebroken when I came back to my hometown and um, but then it was, had to be wired shut. And so you, you, when you have your mouth wired shut, you can only eat what you can suck through your teeth that are clenched tight. So. Well, and to be clear, there's different ways to, that people have their jaw wired shut. Some, some people, they can kind of move their mouth a little bit, open their mouth, um, and it's not quite so tight. The way you had your jaw wired shut was completely cinched tight down you couldn't move your jaw no on at all no yeah no, i would That's... get ridiculous tension headaches and um it was just very painful uh so i lost weight obviously like not really like i was never an overweight kid i was just kind of normal but then i got very skinny 
and that was high school and in my mind it was my weight was something that I could control and um, it was something that would take my mind off of things that I didn't know how to process because I could just focus on that day in and day out and so um, I, I that was I just like hyper focused on on the food I was not eating and um, so by the time I was in college I had some health stuff going on that was clearly like stress related and um, I kind of knew you know that like while I, I knew underneath that, that things, I, I was not okay. Um, and I would, I would try to talk to my parents and, and they were kind of having their own issues in their, in their marriage and stuff just because, you know, my dad, they were both kind of dealing with the trauma of this event. And I have, had younger siblings that were still at home. And um, so uh, with, my sophomore year, that's what it was, that's, that's the story. So I went to the, the doctor um, for the stomach ulcers and got a medication for that. And I, it was also like my sly way of saying like, hey, I'm like, like pretty depressed. Like, I don't wanna be here anymore. And the doctor just kind of looked at me and said, well, you know, this, this drug rep left uh, this week's worth of Paxil in my office. So here you can have it and just, you know, see how you feel. How fucking crazy <laughs> is that? I know. Oh my God. What year was this? That would have been in 2002. So we've come a long way in 20 years. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it, wild. Yeah, like not only, <laughs> does it take a month to two months to have an SSRI regulate in your system to like see any benefits anyway? But like that, it was so flippant and so like, well, I don't know. Like, well, he, didn't. He, he didn't. didn't. he didn't. He didn't know. know. And I'm standing there like, I, I, I'm, I'm breaking down from the inside out. Like, and like in all that the message that that sent was again like there's not space for for you in this place in this world so that really kind of leads me to what i want to talk about with you yeah. um we'll get into the more of the details of your story at some point but the experience that you have had over the last 20 years since that car accident to where you are now has given you a, a perspective that is very unique because you, in a lot of ways, you kind of just figured this out on your own. Like you have, there was really no support system for you to figure out how to deal with this trauma and how to, to, to process it and move through it and get to the place that you are now to where you're able to help others do the same. And it's the, the information that you know, you can't, you can't 
teach. You can teach, but you can't learn it from a book. You can only learn it from someone who's, who's been through it. So where there wasn't space for someone that had, had gone through an experience like you had um, in the, the mental health community then, and I, I don't know how much space there is now, I'm not that, that familiar with it, um, but with the work that you do, there is space for, for someone who is lost in that system who doesn't have anywhere else to go because they're they're being failed at every corner and every turn. So I'm interested in like, you know, you talk about these roadmaps that you've kind of created for yourself and these little tripwires that you've figured out how to like put in your brain and, and how to, to just do the wild shit that I've seen you do and that I see you do for other people. Um, so I, I would love to talk more about that. Um, what, so first off, what would you tell someone who is maybe listening to this that feels like they're in a space that you were in, regardless of what their experience is, but feels like they are not finding the answers and the help that they need through the traditional mental health space? and are looking for something or someone that understands. Yeah. Um, man, there's, I would say first, like you're not alone and you're not, sometimes it, it like you, we think it's so isolating, right? And like, we're human, we want to be, seen for who we are and valued for who we are. We want to be part of community. We want to be loved. And a lot of those feelings we equate with this idea of normal. And while I don't believe that normal actually exists, I do think that those other things exist that desire to be loved and to feel part of a community and to feel like you are seen and accepted for who you are, where you've been. And I think sometimes like to roll that into a word, okay, cool. Like you are normal. There is space for you. You're not, you are not lost. You are not, you are not forgotten. Uh, nor are you broken nor are you broken yeah that was the thing I battled with that uh, and I still battle with that I can feel it where that lives very deeply in in some some very deep road, rooted programming um, as far as like roadmaps the first step is getting to the place where you're not a victim in your own story. That can be a tough journey just to get there, just to like, because you can say it, you can think it, but like you have to believe that. You have to get to where hell or high water, you're not a victim. You cannot operate from a space 
and think that you're going to find healing when you allow it to be someone else's fault or someone else's responsibility. And I don't say that to be cold or to be, I don't say that to be re-traumatizing. At some point, you gave your own power to this thing, right? Even if it's something like, you know, there, there's obviously like traumatizations that happen as a result of someone else's behavior and actions. But if you're going to continue to give that event your power and be a victim to it, then you're never going to be able to fill up the, the cup of your own power in order to gain the perspective and to find the forgiveness and to find the healing. So step one, I don't know, man, there's so many things like in the beginning of like, oh, you know, when you're lost in the sauce and just like sometimes even if there's no evidence to support it, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to trust that I can do this, whether anybody else ever shows up or whether or not there is a higher power or not, like whatever, like that you, you are enough to do this for yourself. Otherwise it wouldn't happen to you. If it happened to you, it's yours. It's meant for you. Everything is for you. Everything is serving you. Everything is driving to your, the most learning, the most understanding, the most soul growth and evolution, everything is for that. So that's an interesting perspective to be able to find purpose in the actual event. What, what is this teaching me? What is this showing me? How is this making me stronger? And sometimes it's just teaching you how to cry for a Dude. while. Yeah, it's like, okay so too. powerful to be able to cry. I have a hard time crying. I have such a hard time crying. <clears throat> I also don't want something crazy traumatic to force me to cry. So, but I mean, but, so we like, you know, take a look at what healing looks to you, right? Like, if you're somebody that's going through something, what what does healed look like to you? If you're still caught up in like the bitterness that this thing happened hard to get it it's really hard to get a clear idea of what healing looks like what you look like healed so that's where we kind of step out of the victim thing so that we can start to distance and move away from that uh, just that spinning that that victim perpetrator victim perpetrator you just keep going round and round and that's you're just passing the energy you're just back passing the energy back and forth and it's there is you know there's space for that like everybody's going to spend some time and space in, in that and a lot of times the best way to move that energy through is just to sit there and go like, I feel like a victim and I want to feel like a victim. Okay. Well, what brings awareness to it, right? You're then observing how you feel Yeah. and, and owning how you feel. Yeah. And that a lot of times is the best way to move something through is just well, to accept. Ownership, ownership is the bridge to ownership. So, you start implementing ownership in the, the emotions that you're feeling that you feel like you cannot get out of in that you know, victim perpetrator energy. You start to 
have you choose the ownership of that well now you're bridging now you're building a bridge to that next stage of ownership and now you're because healing ultimately is the ultimate ownership like you you've taken ultimate ownership for who you are what you've experienced your role in it your place in it everything you're taking ultimate ownership of that and you're allowing it to be okay so yeah yeah, when we, uh, I kind of forgot my train of thought there. I know we were heading in a direction. That's okay. Let's take a, a quick two minute break. I have to pee okay. and, uh, and then we'll come back and talk. I've got a couple other things I want to ask you. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay, cool. We're back. What's up? Yeah, <laughs> I had to, had to handle my business. Um, <laughs> So we were, we were talking about some of your story. We were talking about um, the perspective that you can offer because of the way that you got to where you're at. Let's talk a little bit about where you're at. Um, we'll dig into so much more of this in the upcoming episodes. Um, as far as your story, there's so much more to share. Um, but I do, we've got about 20 minutes, so I want to give... Uh, anybody that's listening, kind of an idea of what it is the fuck that you do, because I've seen <laughs> you, I've seen you change people um, in a day. I've seen you take someone who is very unsure of themselves, who is lost in the fucking sauce, and in in a matter of eight to 10 hours spending time with you in one of your sessions, they come out on the other side knowing more about themselves than they've ever known, being more confident than they've ever been and singing your fucking praises. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that and then we will get out of here. Yeah, so um, I, I discovered mushrooms. Uh, almost five years ago now and at that time I was um I had done pharmaceuticals I had I'd been hospitalized for my depression um and I and it had been a few years since then I'd, I'd done the and I I think that pharmaceuticals certainly have their place um especially in acute instances um of getting over the hump and kind of rebalancing you out and giving you um you know, sometimes you just need enough strength to keep stepping your foot forward and, and getting somewhere. But so I had done that and I'd gotten to the point where it was, I, I was just feeling this nudge that it, that wasn't what I, they were not working as well anymore. And, um, it, to me, it just, it see, it felt to me in my life, like a, a little bit of like a bandaid on a bullet wound. And I just had it in my mind that there had to be a way to like actually heal. There was no way to that like what you you come into the human body, you experience trauma and like that's it. Like you're just done. Like now you're just on pharmaceuticals forever. Like I just couldn't make sense of it. So so I weaned myself off um what I had been taking and was doing 
pretty good, pretty normal. All this research was coming out around um, plant medicine and MDMA therapy and psilocybin-assisted therapy, and it was fascinating. Um, <laughs> as an ex uh, <laughs> partier, uh, it was fun to see that there was like these, uh, like really actually like therapeutic uses and, and how to use them. So, uh, I started small, started with microdosing. I was very nervous. Chris, you were along that entire ride, um, figuring that out and started, I started to have these, these experiences on mushrooms that it just allowed me to have this, this higher perspective. And it took me back to that place of my near-death experience. It felt the same. The energy felt the same. And I, I think of mushrooms as being like ancient technology. Like I, I believe that it is the imprint of our past and future selves, our higher self, uh, that we imprint in this third dimensional realm on these squishy little fungies. And we call ourselves back to them when we're ready for them. And I was ready. And when the student is ready, the teacher appears and mushrooms appeared in our reality. Um, and in those experiences, those early experiences, it was very much this sense of like, there, there was an energy there that was guiding me, that was interacting with me, that was doing whatever it could to to show me and I always say that you know mushrooms give you exactly what you need exactly when you need it it may not be what you want and it helped me to actually with that in mind helped me to weed out any bullshit of oh like that was a difficult trip or that was a difficult experience like okay well I needed it so what did I need out of it which instantly allows you to pop out of that victim narrative of this idea of a bad trip or like, you know, something surprising happens or whatever. It's exactly what you need. And man, when I experienced that, I went ham. I, <laughs> I like found my thing. It was like, I don't know. I have so much love and passion for, for mushrooms and what they do for people that it's, it's, unreal. So as t you and I started doing, we would have for a while it was kind of these individual self-healing, self-exploration. And then somewhere in the, the last five years, it transitioned to, we would do this work together. And simultaneously, we're seeing our lives get better and better. We're seeing like in my own self, I'm excited again about life and I'm feeling more creative and more ambitious and more, um, I feel more like just connected into life. And, and so I'm seeing all these positives while I'm having these, these kind of mystical experiences. And that in itself makes it seem like there's such a crossover, right? Like we are not so separate here from the mystical. It's all interrelated. It's how our lives are going. It's how, it's all of it. And so I'm seeing this massive shift in every area of my life. 
and then you were doing the same. You were, you kind of had a different, like, I feel like you kind of, uh, jumped up in like on the spiritual side of things. Um, a little quicker than I did. Like you kind of got it like, Oh, okay. I, I, I know how to hold this space. I know how to vibrationally set the tone for what this container is. Uh, and you facilitated for me, I mean, a bunch of times and it was, I mean, it cannot be said enough that we had zero idea what we were doing. And every bit of this we learned as like trial by exploration and fire and we came at it I think it's a testament to like us as people because we came at it from the sense of we we were humble we were ready to learn we were we came with open hearts we were we weren't driven by ego in which I think can happen a lot I've seen it happen a lot because I was so raw and I needed so much. I, I needed to retool my whole self, basically from the ground up, because I had had this traumatic event happen, and then I had layered an entire life and personality on top of that, that really wasn't mine. I mean, parts of it, yeah, but everything, I was a walking trauma response. I just, that's what I was. Um, so to be able to show up in that space, I feel like the interactions you were having were teaching you, lots of teaching you. The experiences I was having was something showing up to make me feel safe and to feel protected and to feel seen. Uh, I always say that the mushrooms were way more gentle on me than they <laughs> were on you. I think yeah. they, I think they knew if they showed up with some of those difficult lessons in um, as uh, aggressive in a way as they did for you that I would have, my nervous system would have been blown apart. Like there's no way it could have done that to me. Yeah, um, you would take mushroom naps while I was getting the <laughs> shit kicked out of me in the other room. Mushroom just just having nuts. every piece of me torn apart going like, like, nope, you can't show up that way. Nope, you can't show up that way. Nope, nope, nope. It's like, oh, I'm just pure humility, pure service. Okay, well, you don't know what that means. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. And then I come talk to you and you're like, oh, I was just waiting for you to come down. <laughs> Great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I needed that for sure. I, I, we both got exactly what we needed. We got exactly what we needed, exactly when we needed it, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, my, uh, my sense of like, I almost had to build up like a sense of like confidence or like almost build up my ego in a sense because it had been so broken down for so long that it was just, yeah, I needed gentle. So when, um, so we were going through through a lot of that and I was really able to clear a ton of trauma and energy and I could feel it. I could feel the shifts in my life. My reality began to reflect it back to me. Um, I incorporated uh, a somatic therapist into this and, and that was like kind of 
this extra help and just getting in touch in, with what was actually going on inside of my body, um, which that the, just the combination has been fantastic. Um, so now like what I do for people, um, you know, it kind of, it depends a little bit on the person, but it's, but not really. Um, I kind of get out of the way, uh, and I facilitate, um, these experiences where I, I take all of my, all of my experience, all of my knowledge, um, all of the tips and the tricks that I've come up with that I've found from other people that I've tried, everything that is like a blended together. And, um, we developed, each of us kind of developed our own relationship with an energy that would continuously show up on those mushroom trips. And, um, we could see it, you could see it first, well before I could, I would get super annoyed about it. But, um, thankfully, uh, I get to see her now, which is fun. Um, it feels like a feminine energy. It, she looks kind of like, like the heat lines coming off the road on a hot day, but, but a little more dense than that. And with little sparkles of white and pink and blue, um, all just kind of together. And she is, she has her own energy. She feels a particular way. And in those sessions, we would be able to communicate with her telepathically on, on some level. And I had a, had a, a session one time um, where I asked to know kind of what I do, what my power is. And I saw myself reaching into darkness and the chaos of just energy that's been distorted, which is trauma, and pulling it out and making order of it. And I did not understand what that meant at the time. Um, I thought maybe that's just what I was doing in my own life. And I, I was, um, but then we, we get into it, you know, we're all the same. So we're all one. So, um, yeah, kind of just flowed forward. Um, and when I'm in a session with somebody, I'm, that's basically what's happening. I get out of the way this energy comes in and hold the container. I'm in service. It's humility, it's service. It is, it's service to a degree that, like I'm always pushing further into service and how to show up for someone. And in, it just, purely at their feet um, to allow them the space to experience this energy and what it can do and that the energy is really what's doing the work with them it's it's very collaborative and co-creative with the person because it's taking them into where that energy is bound up within them and what the, the what happened or what the story is around it and it's allowing them to access that 
from that higher perspective, that higher observational place, and to go into it and to begin to make order of their own distortion. And I call her the mother, personally, that's my name for her. She comes in and she allows that to take place in a really, in a really visceral but loving way. It's the same place that I went on in my near-death experience. It's the confusion is, is there, but you can hold it. You're light, you're, you get it. And so it takes people into these, these things that they maybe haven't looked at or been denial of or, or have a lot of judgment around. A lot of people judge their trauma. They go, oh, I should be over that. Or that wasn't a big deal. Oh, or the classic, somebody out there has it worse than me. That doesn't matter. That does all that does is tell that part of you that's still wounded and hurting that you don't care about it or want to hear about it right now. We'll hear from it. So that doesn't serve anything. So this energy comes in and is able to help you work through that. Uh, I act as essentially a, the channel for that to come in. And sometimes in mushroom experiences, anybody that's done mushrooms, um, there can be energy that shows up that it doesn't really, it's not really serving anything. And I like to call that the riffraff energy. So I also keep the riffraff out because you don't need to go through the five years of, <laughs> of you don't, you don't need to, you don't necessarily, you don't need to do all that just to get to this place of having this experience. Um, I mean, I'm oh, of course grateful for all of our experiences, but there's a few that. Well, not everybody has time. Not everybody has five years. They have the time. Yeah. So to be able to take all of the experience that you have and, and that I have, I do this work as well, that we are talking about you. Um, and to distill all of the experience that you have had, coupled with the, the, uh, the, the trauma that you experienced and knowing what it feels like on both sides and being able to to hold both sides of this experience of like having been in this trauma and, and then having come out the other side of this and facilitating the, the, the depth that you were able to hold um, and to be able to bring that and focus all of that into a you know, six, eight, ten hour mushroom session um, is so incredibly impactful for anyone. You know, we all have trauma, right? It, it's impactful for anyone. Um, and, and then the integration that work that you do afterwards, which we're going to talk more about that as well. Um, but for you to be able to, to, to take all of that experience and distill it down into this one, one session um, is so incredibly valuable. Because, yeah, who has five years? And who has the mindset to go like, oh, I'm going to spend the next five years of my life exploring the mushroom realm in hopes that something will come in. And the weird shit that you're going to experience getting to the place that you actually need to get is can be so off-putting 
that like the dimensions that you have to travel through of your own shit to get to the other shit to find the shit. I mean, it's yeah. it's wild. So, yeah. so yeah, the the work that you have put in in that space is so valuable oh. to to anyone that is looking to. I wouldn't change it for sure. I wouldn't change it. I like I said, I became obsessed um, to say the least. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is, it, it takes it, it takes it down. Like you, you, you get it in a day. I, I like to think of it as like 20 years of therapy in an afternoon. And what's another thing that's really cool about it is that because the energy works with you and your higher self, and it's a very gentle process. It's very loving. It is not, this is not a like, it's intense, but it's intense in a very, very manageable way. Because that is a co-creation between you and, and this energy, it's, you get to experience your fullness. You get to experience like your light being turned back on because you're empowered. You did this, you did this thing. And what I am doing is essentially offering this energy that once you experience this, that energy is, is now alive inside of you. You've experienced it and you can now know it and, and grow a relationship with it and cultivate with it. And what that looks like is like you, you realize that like everything that you've gone through was was for you was worth it and that your story is powerful and unique and necessary and you get to create this bubble of time and space around yourself where you get to disconnect from all of the stories and programs and narratives that you had leading into that experience and then we create this space and now we operate in the integration. Now we see where those stories and narratives and programs start to try to close that gap down and try to make you feel small and tries to lead you down a path that you've been on. You dated the narcissist there or the narcissist shows up over here. Or like, are you going to choose? And now you have, you have a, a, a knowingness because you have it's part of your lived experience now of who you really are and now the integration becomes we get to see where your life tries to show up again and say okay are you still playing this game are you still playing this game and you get to maneuver that and go and how to maneuver that and I help with that because I had to go through a crash course of that as well it's a whole <laughs> other story um but yeah, it's, and it's not to say like, if you decide to, to, you know, swim in a pond that you swam in before that you didn't really want to be in, it's so much easier to hop back out of that pond. Even if you jump in for a little bit, because you've had this experience, you've gotten to know who you really, really are. It's like an activation in, in with it to use like completely woo woo words. When you don't lose that energy that energy is is with you mm -hmm. it it is it, it allows for 
just like you said, to, for you to grow it, for you to have your own relationship with it, you... It is your spark. It is your just spark. Being, it's just being lit again. Yeah. And I like what you said about it, it being this co-creation in it, because that is what it is like in those sessions. It is the, the, the facilitator and the client and the energy are all equal parts of of the experience the the client is not just sitting there like having some some experience they're not just watching a movie like they're the, they're in it they are the ones that are doing the actual work in it it's just some important delineation i feel too um because like i'm not your guru it's my point you. yeah that's my this point this is like i i'm I'm there in service. I, I mean, I always think of like in the Bible, like, you know, Jesus at the feet of, of the whoever, like I'm, I'm, that's my embodiment in that I am just facilitating this. You get to own and you know it in it. Yeah. You get to own like what you're capable of what you're the power that you truly hold in your own story in your own life yeah. uh, so just it's it's always important i think it can be confusing until somebody kind of goes through this process to really like understand what that means um and i'm sure probably sounds weird that i like stress it and stress it but it's so important like the experience of now it's great to move the trauma and to heal that that's hugely valuable and a lot of people can understand the value in that conceptually it's very difficult to conceptually feel the intensity and the necessity of to experience your true power in a moment well it's that's hard to conceptualize but that's is yours it's 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 beautiful. One to be able to show someone that is the, the most best. rewarding thing you can do <laughs> to best. see someone experience themselves and to know that this isn't uh, some fleeting moment. This is this is going to be with you forever. This is going to be the thing. This is going to be the moment that sparks all of it going forward is so fucking cool yeah yeah and you I have think a, go ahead. people sorry i think people too like uh like there is a natural high kind of after this a week two weeks however long it is um and then that's kind of really where the integration work happens because at that point, like you've got a little time and space from this moment that you had. And at that point, life is like really kind of full swing again. Like, you know, whatever your job or kid or spouse or the, whatever your, whatever the story is that you've built back here, like it's all coming back full force. And the way that the energy operates in the universe is it's almost like, a, are you sure? Are you sure you're done? Are you sure you're done? And you get to make those changes. Now, it'll ask you multiple times and you may end up down a road or whatever that you, like we said about jumping out of the water, but it's, oh, man, I just lost my freaking train of thought. Well, you were talking, you were talking about, <laughs> it's okay. my brain 
No, you're good. We're, too many mushrooms. You're, no, no, no. <laughs> the, uh, you were talking about um, integration. You were talking about those, you know, you have those kind of two weeks oh, yeah, yeah. afterwards that you, you're riding this high. Yeah. And then life starts to show back up and starts handing you all of these old stories. And Yeah. that's I wanted to, that was what my point was, was just, I think initially like i've i've seen people and i've i've experienced this where you get almost kind of down on your yourself or like you feel like you've slid backwards in some way and even that in itself is an important program to observe about yourself because like what's the what's the hurry what's the time like why are you putting all this stress and pressure on this but it's also that that's part of the, that is the integration. It's gonna feel like you're getting your butt kicked a little bit because you're starting the work. You're, an, you're getting, uh, you're starting almost like a new life where you're in charge and you're in control and you get to make the decisions to all of the things that you energetically agree to. And that can look messy at first because you've probably energetically agreed to a lot of things that if you knew who you were and had your full sense of self, you wouldn't have agreed to. And so it can look a little frustrating initially, but then you kind of start, you, then now you're getting into the hang of like, oh, okay, yeah, actually, no, I don't agree with that anymore. I don't, I don't actually want to play in that pond anymore. Okay. And you get to start maneuver, you're maneuvering your life and until you're, really fully in, in energetic control of your reality. And it's beautiful to like know that that's the journey someone is like embarking on. It's beautiful to be there to help guide them through that and maneuver that um, down the road in the integration process. Um, and really it's just, it's like helping a baby learn to walk kind of thing. Like you're gonna be a little wobbly and then you get stronger and stronger and then and then you're the next person that's standing there helping someone else figure out how to work their legs. Yeah, that's the beautiful part of it is that it drives this like need almost to not um, evangelize it, but to 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 want to genuinely help everyone around you because you know this thing now, you know this energy now, you know your light is on, you, you've seen yourself go from this over here to this over here, and then and you see so much of maybe your old self in the people around you, and you, you, you really want to figure out a way to like help guide them to, to their own path, right? That's so cool, because it creates this network of people that are just going around, just turning people on and and helping to uplift it's yeah yeah i think of it as um i was watching this this tiktok earlier which actually like speaks to it perfectly and the guy had two lighters and they were it was like these are humans and they were burning had flames you know and then he took the one lighter and he put it in a glass and he poured trauma on it abuse story narrative whatever you know fills it up with water and then pulls the lighter out and it obviously doesn't light and so he takes the one that wasn't in the water flicks that turns it over and it catches the other one and lights it and it's exactly what it is like 
I had this image come to me a while back and it was that there's bridges in this work, right? Spiritually. And it can be frequency, right? Each bridge area is the, the frequency for that particular thing. Um, but we're, we each kind of, there's a lot of the teachers at the very beginning, right? And a lot of spiritual teachers there and they're talking about really kind of the very basic things because they're getting people that are starting to wake up, they're getting them over that bridge. And then those people continue on, continue on, and they discover like, and they create like these, the, the next things, the new things, and they stand at that bridge. And then they help everybody over. And now everybody keeps moving up and moving up and keeps working their way, working their way. There's and always somebody there. Always somebody Always there. somebody there to help you across the bridge that you're mm -hmm. at. And then there's always a bridge for you to help somebody across as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it feels to me like, cause that's that co-creation, that's a collaboration. And it's also, it allows you to be understanding that somebody might not be at your bridge yet. They might, they just might not be there yet, but there's somebody out there for them to get them over their bridge. So, so you're not, you're just responsible for being the fullest, most healed version of you. That in itself helps people over your bridge or the bridge that you stand at, however you want to look at it. And as people start to, their light starts to come on and we've all done this work, we've all co-created this thing, we've all turned each other's lights on. Now we're all standing hand in hand. We're like a blanket over the world, right? We've done this thing. We've pulled this all of the, the darkness and despair and the anger and the pain and the guilt and the, of the, the things we did and the things we didn't do and the things that were done to us. And, and we've gone through the nitty gritty of not only our system, but all of our past lives and all, all of our ancestral trauma. We have done the thing to take all of that from, oh, I should do this work to I've done this work. I know this. I know the ins and outs of what this is and what this means. And in that, that is true, pure transmutation. That is, that is a world changed. Yeah. That's a good place to end this. Yeah. That is <laughs> oh perfect. So fucked. That's perfect. We're right on time. So, Very cool. um, tell people where they can find you. I'm uh, on Instagram at Kristen Hansen 444. Kristen and Hansen with an E. Uh, I'm also on TikTok under the same, the same name. Uh, just trying out TikTok. We will have links up uh, to like booking calls, booking sessions for information, um, updating my link tree we'll put links in the actual podcast notes cool. and then we will also you have a link tree on your on your yeah, instagram and we have um a patreon that we're going to answer questions on like a q a yeah. so it's really just like video q a that people can submit their questions and we will answer them yeah, Where we'll have a space for like group integration work there too, where it's not necessarily personal, uh, personalized, can be, um, we'll kind of see, but 
yeah. allow that. So, so if you are somebody that's like having a difficult time or whatever, you want to save space to talk about your psychedelic experiences. So where's, if they have a question, where's, what's the best way for them to reach out to you just on your Instagram? Yeah. Start there. Um, I'm, I'm always on there. I'm always uh, excited to talk to people, especially about their healing journey, where they're at, and, and see what kind of help that we can give them. Awesome. All right. Hey, we did it. Yay! We're, we're back. back. High fives. High fives. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>